Amen. Please join me in the reading of our scripture today. It comes from Isaiah, the 64th chapter, verses 1 through 4, and it reads, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversary so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you whom works for those who wait for him. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, in this moment of today, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and our minds like never before, that you would allow our eyes to be open to you in a mighty way that our hope might be rekindled. In Jesus' name, amen. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? This poem was written many years ago by one of my favorite poets, Brother Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes wrote novels, stories, essays, and articles throughout his career but as a poet, he mainly, uh, as a poet, he mainly gained his recognition. He wanted his poems to reflect the plight of African Americans and to give them a voice. And despite some opposition to his work, he became the beacon of light for those that were oppressed. Hughes, like others in the act of Harlem Renaissance, had a strong sense of racial pride through his poetry. Novels, plays, essays, and children's books, he promoted equality, condemned racism and injustice, and celebrated African-American culture, humor, and spirituality. What happens to a dream deferred? Based on what we know of Brother Hughes, we can deduct that one of the dreams that can be alluded to in this poem is that of justice and equality for black people in America. You see, this poem was written in 1951 while America was in turmoil as it relates to race. He had a dream, even in the midst of that turmoil, that racial justice and equality could be real. It is the same dream that he and many others had for years and even generations. It was the same dream that he had in 1922 when he penned these words, Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. You see, Brother Hughes and the men and women that share his dream are living between these two points, living between their dream and their promise. My God living between potential or promise and the fulfillment or realization of that dream. And though this dream appears to be deferred or delayed, it lives 
It, it lives on and is powered by hope in the realization of it all. It is fueled by hope, the confident expectation that the future will be better. So in the midst of chaos and Jim Crow and segregation and terrorist acts and governmental failures, the confident expectation that the dream yet lives gave Langston Hughes the courage to lift his voice for those without a voice. That hope and that dream gave Dr. King the courage to speak these words. I say to you today, my friends, even though we face difficulties in today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. You see, it is the hope in that dream, even though that dream yet tarries, that allowed a black presidential candidate to stand and proclaim, yes, we can. Truth be told, for many Americans, not just the black and the minorities, but also women and other people groups still live between these two poems. However, it is the hope and the deferred dream that continues to drive us closer to its realization. In today's scripture, we find a similar scenario. We find the people of God living in Babylonian exile, hoping for the renewal found in God's promise. The temple has been burned. Life is not easy, but they still have their hope in the Lord of their salvation. Their dream has been deferred, but, it, but they still hope in that dream. It, is, it will not fester. It will not die. It will not dry up. But they have a confident expectation that their future, through the power of God, will be better. So we find in this scripture, they're praying, if you will, God, show up here. Come down, do something great, awesome, miraculous, so that all of creation might be changed. God, please come, deliver us, help us, save us. You see, they are resting, yes, living in the middle of hope and their promise. Because we find in chapter 65, verses 8 through 10, that, that the word of the Lord says, and as new wine is fined in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for they will benefit from it. So I will act on behalf of my servants in order not to destroy all of them. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob, and their heir of my mountains from Judah. Even my chosen one shall inherit it, and my servants will dwell there. He says in, in, in verses 13 and 14, therefore, thus says the Lord of God, behold, my servants will eat. Behold, my servants will drink. Behold, my servants will rejoice. Behold, my servants will shout joyfully with a glad heart. He says in 20 and, uh, through 24, no longer will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at age of 100 and those who do not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For 
as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen people will wear out the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or bear children in calamity, for they are offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. You see, they had a great promise ahead of them. And though the dream is not realized immediately, their hope keeps them connected to that dream. Hope keeps their present circumstance from defining them. Hope keeps the dream before them. And hope keeps their faith active towards that dream. Amen. It is in this Advent season that we find ourselves also between hope and promise. You see, we look at, in this season, the arrival of Christ on earth, the Messiah prophesied for hundreds of years, as well as we look forward to the return of Jesus to complete the work as promised. In the Old Testament, the people were told of the Messiah as Savior they so desperately needed, and they hoped for the promise. In the midst of turmoil, they hoped for the promise, in the midst of war, in the midst of famine, in the midst of exile, they hoped for the promise. And that dream, though it may seem it was deferred or delayed because it took hundreds of years, that dream did not rot. It did not explode. It did not dry up. Instead, it showed up one night laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, there in Bethlehem. And even though it didn't look like they thought it would look that dream, this dream, our Jesus came and changed the world forever. It is upon this that we hope. Upon, we, we find out that upon his resurrection, Jesus promised to come again. And as the early church waited on his return, they, they hoped in his return. They were busy with urgency to build, but it has taken some time. And now we labor in the vineyard. But I tell you, our dream will not fester. It will not stink. It will not crust over and it will not die. Our dream, though seemingly deferred or delayed, we will not abandon, we cannot abandon, for we know that Jesus will once again come and change everything. I know you may be going through trials and dealing with all forms of chaos, but I remind you to keep your hope and the God of our salvation to keep a confident expectation that the future through God will be better this morning, I remind you of our dream. This Christmas season, we find that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That is where our hope lies. And it's also where our hope begins. For we know that Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, shall come again and the world 
will never be the same. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Son.